Hi, everyone. Hi. No, no. <laughs> Try again. Hi, everyone. Hi. There we go. It's the third week of Advent, the week of joy. That's, you need to give me a joyful hello. So in our discussions this Advent season, if you've been with us, uh, we began by looking into our hearts and asking if what we're waiting for are things worthy of our hope, worthy of our time, right? We started with that question, and we also went into then what are the things that could be at play in our heart or around us that influence our ability to wait, right? Uh, things like societal expectations, things that we're supposed to have done or do, things that push us into a place where we can no longer wait. And so this week, we want to take this week of joy, this third week of Advent, to celebrate by building some of our, our strength within our waiting muscles. That's what we're going to do tonight. And, you know, I don't know what your personal thoughts are on God. I see some new faces in the room tonight, so some of you might not have any thoughts. But I think most of us, regardless of where you're at in your faith walk, you can agree that God is a pretty ridiculous being. Uh, ridiculous, like having me be the one to share tonight's message. Um, you laugh, but it's true. Um, so I still remember I was in the corner when Kevin texted me and said, hey, you're going to do the third week of Advent. It's called Waiting, How to Wait Well. I'm like, sure I am. Okay. That sounds wise. Um, and it's, it's because as a 32-year-old single female who grew up in the church, I have heard so many sermons on how to wait well. Uh, and I've also... Uh, I don't know, I'm a glutton for punishment, I have sought out so many sermons on how to wait well, right? Uh, and waiting in the context of relationship, right? I'm 32, I'm single, I want to be married, I want to be able to say that, that's okay to say, right? And I go to these sermons, I get really excited, or I listen to the podcast, and usually they don't hit you with this until the end, but at the end they say something like, and praise God I'm married now, Mike. <laughs> Well, what? Like, or pointing out their really hot spouse in the audience for everyone to gawk at. And it just baffles me because I'm like, I thought this was about waiting. You cannot come to me and preach to me about waiting, being in the valley, when you were already on the mountaintop, right? Don't preach at me anymore. You have a very different perspective. You may have known my perspective at one point, but I no longer know what your authentic sermon is going to be because you are past it, right? Every time, every time. So I think to myself, man, wouldn't it be so great if one time I could hear something about joyfully looking forward to the promise and not looking back at the proof in the results, right? And so after this text, I stand here before you uh, as a single 32-year-old on the third week of Advent, the week of joy, and it turns out that the sermon that I have been waiting for is my very own. And so tonight, I'm going to share with you the sermon that I have been longing to hear my whole life. Uh, and I hope that it resonates with you. Even if a piece of it resonates with you, that's a success. Uh, I'll be sharing, if you've, ever, if you've never heard me speak, <laughs> you're in for quite the Angela treat because I share way too much information about myself. But that's all I know how to do, right? That's how I connect with scripture, and I want to make sure that I'm telling an authentic story to you. And so you're going to hear things about me tonight that maybe you don't want to hear. I don't care. I'm going to share them anyway, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but we're, I promise to give you the most authentic sermon that I can uh, if you stay with me through this. Uh, so before we jump into some messy goodness, let's pray together. 
Lord, I thank you for this space. I thank you for the people you've brought to fill it, Lord. I thank you for the work that you've already done today. I thank you for the people you called to morning service who did not want to go and then pulled me aside to tell me, thank God I was here. I know those same people are here tonight, Lord, and I just pray for them. I pray for their hearts to be open. I pray for them to be ready to absorb whatever it is you have to tell them, Father, and I pray that the words that I speak are directly of you. You are welcome in this place. We love you. Amen. Okay, so how do we do it? How do we wait well? What are we even doing, right? First, we have to reclaim joy. We have to remember, uh, as Tim just pointed out, that instant gratification does not equal joy and that waiting does not equal sorrow, right? Realize that there is joy in the waiting. And before we move on, let's just redefine or define joy for some people. Some people, when they think of joy, they think everything's got to be happy. Jesus was joyous, right? Jesus also wept. He gets it. He sees everything around us. Just this week, we now have an entire state burning, right? We also, slavery is no longer in the black market. It's in broad daylight. And we have our leaders of the world talking about nuclear war like it's a playground fight, right? Jesus wept. But joy doesn't come from the things that we see around us. It comes from the deepest part of our belly, right? It comes from trusting, just like Jesus did, that these words are actually true, that they mean something, right? He believed it. I want to believe this too. I come back to this. That's why some of you who did not want to come to church tonight showed up anyway because you felt called to. I know it. You don't have to admit it. I know it. Because in your deepest part, you still believe these words are true. And so joy doesn't always look happy, and that's okay. Uh, And even though I know in the deepest part of my being and also just from my Christian background uh, that I go to these waiting sermons and I hear things like, be joyful in the waiting, pray without ceasing, right? I think those are really, really good things, but I want something tangible. I think to myself, duh, like seek God. Okay, seek God. Sounds great. Tell me more. How do I do this, right? No one needs any fluffy language, People need real things that they can put into their daily life, something tangible. So that's why I think it's so perfect that we're talking about waiting well in this season because that's exactly what Advent is. Our spiritual uh, family, they waited, right? They didn't exactly know what they were waiting for, and even when it came, they weren't exactly happy about it, right? However, they knew they were waiting on a promise. That's all they knew. And even though they hadn't seen that promise in generations, they knew it was coming, So how to wait well is right here. It's always been right here. I don't have to sit here for the next 15 minutes and give you something about let's be more patient. Who needs to hear that? No one. Right? You've heard that all your life. Be more patient. You'll meet him. Okay. Right? Don't just tell me that. Tell me how to do it. So I promise if you'll stick with me, I won't waste your time. I won't. Because this is for you and this is for me as well. So we're going to go straight to scripture today. And if you have your Bibles or a phone with Google ability, uh, go and look up 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 24. It's a very tiny book. If you blink it, blink, you'll miss it in the back. It's about a page and a half in the New Testament towards the very back of your Bible. Um, Pull that up 
And we're going to do something that might annoy you tonight, but I'm going to read the scripture a lot. Because we've moved away from the concept that these things are to be daily life instructions, and we've moved them to, oh, it's a nice devotional, right? This is every day. When the, the people in this town got this letter from Paul that we're about to dig into, they read it as if it was daily instruction, not something they read on Sundays. So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to practice it. It's not too long. Don't worry. Let's go there together. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 24, begins with, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. And may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. That's our scripture for this evening. Sounds pretty good, right? A little background on this scripture. This scripture was written, um, this entire book, 1 Thessalonians, was written by a man named Paul. And if you've been around the church for at least some time, you've probably heard of him. He was one of the greatest apostles, our church father, right? He's the one who helped spread Christianity after Jesus left. Uh, you'll see that he wrote this with Paul and Timothy, with Timothy and Silas as well, also apostles under Paul's guidance. And so Paul would go to these towns, um, and he would visit people, right? He would, he would go, and he would try to spread the message of Christianity. And when he went to go visit these people, he was very pleased. They were new believers, uh, and he was very pleased at how great they were, because he saw some bad stuff in other places, right? And so he showed up, and he was shocked that these young believers were actually following what they were supposed to do. And Paul's an intense guy, uh, and he, they leave, and they go to Athens, they go to another place in Greece, and he gets nervous. He gets nervous that maybe what he saw didn't actually happen, and so he sends Timothy back. And Timothy goes back, he listens to Paul, right? He goes back, and he reports back again, actually, they're pretty good. They're doing a great job. And Paul's like, wow, that's really impressive. And so it's thought that this, this letter, um, 1 Thessalonians, was written when Paul was visiting the church in Corinth. And if you've ever read Corinthians, you know that he was not so happy with them, right? And so he's seeing all this stuff going on, and he's like, whew, God, I'm really grateful for this super great town over here. So I'm going to write to them and tell them how great I think they are. So this letter reads like that. It reads like, hey, you're doing a great job, but let's be prepared for what comes next. These are instructions on how to continue down the road of the Christian life. Because he, he also talks a lot about Jesus' coming back, right? So he's prepping them for what is going to happen. But giving them tangible pieces to take with them on a daily basis so that they can walk in faith. So it's a nice one, right? And the, the conclusion of the letter is very brief, very general. Um, every, anybody who would read it would be like, okay, that sounds good, that sounds good. Uh, but Paul is very strategic in everything he does, in everything he writes. And so he talks a lot about the plural of rejoice always. All of you should be rejoicing. This should be a daily thing. And a lot of times uh, when, we, when we look at the scripture, when, I'm sure you've heard rejoice always, pray without ceasing, if you've ever heard scripture, right? People re say it all the time. They recite it. But you don't generally see the other half of what he says. We don't generally talk about it, right? 
And if we are going to take something and put it into practice, I think sometimes we need to wrestle with Scripture a little more. We need to not take the fluffy stuff and say, okay, we'll do that, pray without ceasing, got it. First of all, that's impossible, okay? He knew, he knew that. Jesus even couldn't pray without ceasing, right? He just lived, and you pray as you walk, but you don't pray without ceasing. He's giving us things that, aren't, that are nice things to incorporate, but aren't actually those tangible things. They're general things that the, the entire community is supposed to be doing. But for me, I want to walk away with a limp from Scripture, right? I want to remember what I wrestled with. And Paul knows who he's talking to. He knows that he's talking to people who could be easily swayed into something else, right? He wants to give them something that they can bite into, actual roadmap. And so it says, yes, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. But then we move on to something a little bit deeper, something that I think we all need if we're being honest with ourselves. We go into actual tangible pieces, and we're gonna, as we talk about this, I'm going to talk about it from the perspective of being a single 32-year-old woman who really wants to get married, okay? However, and that's a, relation, like, that's a relational piece, right? Something that I'm missing, that I want. And I know as I say, what are you waiting for? People in this room are thinking of a raise, a better job, a new house, security in some way, something tangible. And those are real things to be waiting for and asking God for. But in this season of Advent, let's talk about it through a relational lens. Because I don't know about you, but oftentimes when things feel out of whack for me at work, that means that I'm not getting to the root of something that's happening, which is generally a relational issue, right? And we're walking in to Advent into a relationship with Jesus, right? This is what we're, we're made for. We are made for relationships. So as I talk through this, I don't know if it's like me, if you are somebody who would also like to get married and that's a big focus of your life right now, finding a partner, or if it's a relationship lost or a relationship that you're trying to mend with your parent or somebody that you're about to see when you go home for Christmas or at work. We all have these people and I think there's another thing to consider, too, is also a relationship completely lost and the grieving of that. That's also something that you're waiting for, waiting to go through that process. Grief also doesn't just go away in a night. So think about waiting in terms of relationship as we go through this, even if you're not waiting for the same thing that I'm waiting for. So how do we wait on those things well? Well, it's right here. Do not quench the spirit. If you're a Christian, you believe that there are, there's a trinity, right? There's a spirit part of God that we cannot ignore. When Jesus left us, he left us with the spirit for a reason. He can no longer walk this earth. He left us with the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the spirit. The spirit is always talking to us, but we are so full of noise that we cannot hear anything it has to say except when it stops you in your tracks. <laughs> so one of these do not quench the spirit moments for Angela's dating life um, was a few months ago, earlier, I think it was in May, I was seeing somebody for a month. A month. You'll see how ridiculous I am in a minute, uh, if you know that timeline. A month. And it ended. Right? It, it ended. It probably should have ended. It wasn't the best. I was very distracted by it. I wanted it to be something that it wasn't. 
And I was so mad. I was so mad that it ended that I have my, my big purse that I have here. And I was walking home and huffing and puffing. And just, I, I went in between crying and yelling at God. Like, again? This didn't work again? Why do I keep trying? And as I'm walking, and this doesn't happen often, as I'm walking and yelling to myself, I hear it. In the, it stopped me. And all the Spirit said was, don't you trust me? I couldn't move. <laughs> like, that is not something that came from me. <laughs> that was not even a demanding, don't you trust me. It was this sad, like, relational loss. Don't you trust what I'm doing here? And I had to be honest in that moment. Again, I talked to myself a lot on the street. Uh, so this is normal. But I was just, I was just like, maybe I don't. Does that mean I don't? Or am I just not listening to you? And I left that, that spot in my neighborhood and walked and just kept meditating on this and realizing that I need to be more attuned to what is happening, what God is trying to speak into my life. Because I know he was speaking through that month, and I was just like, mm-hmm, over here. Right? I didn't want to hear it until I was forced to hear it, until it stopped me from walking. He's going to get to us. We are his children. So how do you wait well? You ask for God to speak to you, to speak into the limited scope of what you can see because there is so much going on around us that we cannot be aware of. Only he can. You ask for it. And moving on. Hmm. Don't despise prophecies. Now, I think we need to dispel this word a little bit. A lot of people think of this word and they think that you're going to tell people what is going to happen in the government in 20 years, how the, the empire is going to crumble, right? Sure, that could be a prophecy, but that doesn't have to be, right? It can be something much more relational between us. And the thing is, since Jesus doesn't walk this earth, and since we often don't listen to the Spirit, he has to speak to us through each other, 100%. That's why relationship is so important, even friendship, family, all of these things. Where he's always trying to speak to us. And I was having a particularly low season of getting very frustrated with dating and not finding anyone. And, you know, everyone's, you look at me confused, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and... <laughs> Thank you, Robert. <laughs> and I was, I was feeling, it was a bad weekend. I just kept sulking, being annoyed, thinking maybe, maybe my standards are too high. Maybe that's the issue. I should lower my standards. Never do that. Um, <laughs> and, and then I was asked to do communion at Columbia Heights. And so I, I went there. It was a Sunday morning, of course. I'm doing communion. Everything went normal. And I see this man to my right after service, because I'm still up here kind of cleaning stuff up. And, and I can tell he wants to talk to me. I've never met him before. And he comes up to me and he says, he says, Angela, I know we don't know each other, but I feel like I have to tell you something. Um, God speaks to me in visions. And when you were up there doing communion, he's like, I can see what you look like. It's like but the entire time you were doing it, all I saw you as was a very old woman. I know, right? That was my reaction. And I was like, hmm, where's this going? And 
<laughs> I stayed very quiet. And he said, you know, I'm not exactly sure what it means, but I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that if you are worried about something right now, you are worried about something in a limited scope, I feel like you need to know that you're going to live a long time. And it was that he didn't know what that meant to me. And it's not like he was like, your husband's around the corner. He, he said, you're going to live a long time. And it, it was at that moment that I dropped the weight that I was carrying, this pressure. And I realized, you little 32-year-old brat, right? Like, you don't know anything. Your life is so much more than what you can see right now. You have no idea what God has in store for you, and you think you're controlling all of this. How dare you just drop it? I have so much more. He didn't tell me exactly what I looked like at that age, but maybe he was being kind. Um, so it was just that moment where I said, okay, I, I, I'm done, right? I'm done panicking over this. Um, so how do you wait well? You open your eyes to all the ways that God is speaking to you through other people. Just this morning, like I said in my prayer, somebody came to me in tears after service. And I, I brought them into the room and we started talking and they said, I was laying in bed and the last place I wanted to be was church this morning and something told me to get on a bike and go. She's like, I hate biking. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I was told to do. So I got on the bike and I went. She's like, this is what I've been dealing with all weekend. She's like, everything you said was for me, right? This is an opportunity for God to speak through, through a simple person to somebody else. And it was absorbed. That's how we wait well. We open our eyes to the prophecies that God is putting in other people's hearts to try to get our attention because we have too much noise for the Spirit to get through to us. He has a plan B, right? It's us. So then, we've got the Spirit talking to us. We've got other people talking to us. And I feel like sometimes... That, that can be a lot of pressure, right? You feel people telling you they think that this is what God wants you to do, this is what God is speaking to them, and you're hearing voices. You might think you're a little crazy, right? And you're trying to figure out, how do I move forward? And this is my favorite. Paul is one of my favorite people, but this makes it so tangible. This takes all of the ooey-gooeyness out of, oh, pray without ceasing. No, he says, test all things. Test them. You hear this? Somebody tells you this? Go test it. So how do we test these things? We go to people who have two things. One, known God longer than we have. And two, been in the world generally longer than us. Right? Sometimes I think we look at people who are a little older than us and we forget that they also waited. They could be waiting for something right now. They know your general waiting story and they are no longer hyper about it because they've calmed down through the years. Right? They have more patience than you do, at least than I do. We go to them. And so uh, about a year and a half ago, I was dating somebody who I honestly thought I was going to marry. And when it ended, you remember how I behaved after one month of ending. This was six months, everyone. Didn't go well. Uh, and I was distraught. Everything in me wanted to seek out that relationship again, wanted to mend that relationship and figure out how we can move forward again together. And then there was that, that pit of me 
that said, no, it's time to go. It's time to move. And I was so torn between both. I had no idea what to do. I was hearing things, right? I thought I was supposed to, to move away, but then everything in my being said, go forward towards him. And so I tested it, right? I called my dad, the wisest person I know, somebody who has known God much longer than me. And I said, this is the situation. This is everything that happened. This is where my pit feels. This is where my heart feels. And he, he responded, again, this is, the imagery that people have for me is not my favorite. Um, but he said, Angela, you're like a wild horse. Uh, this situation, they could, you could go and go back into your, your stable of safeness. He's like, but this, this isn't for you. So it might not happen tomorrow, but sooner or later, you're going to bust out of that stable and no one's going to be able to stop you. So either you leave now or you leave later, but you're going to leave. And that's when I was like, okay, got it. I tested it. I know that to be true, right? And I didn't go back. But I needed it. Even if we know in our deepest part of our being, even if the Spirit is saying, do this, we're human. We are, <laughs> we are flawed. He knew this too, right? Paul knew this who he, about who he was talking to. We need instruction. We need to be able to have something tangible. So how do you wait well? You turn to, God, to those who know God and know you and say, what do you think about this? And then you hold firmly to that which is good and abstain from every form of evil. There's an opportunity for us to walk away from God every five seconds. Everything else is telling us to go the opposite way, to go left, to go right, and to not go straight ahead towards him. Everything. This instruction is clear and it's necessary. Yes, do these three things, and then make sure that you hold on to that good peace, that you move away from the things that are crowding your heart and your mind. Go back, and if you get confused, go back and do it again. Listen for the Spirit. Listen for those around you who God is speaking through, and test both. God's not afraid of you. Test him. He doesn't care. He wants to know that you know that he is real. He was not messing around when he said, don't you trust me? That was sharp, and it was clear, and it was for me. And after you do that, the most important thing to remember is the reason we're all here today. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. That's it. That's how this ends. The one who calls you is faithful, 100%. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. I'm here today to tell you <laughs> that waiting well is not about waiting happily. It's about waiting truthfully. It's about taking these words and bringing them to life. 
treating them like they did when they received this letter from Paul, as if they were daily instruction and not something we pick up for a devotional. And if we are going to wait well, we have to do it the same way they did. We must keep moving with what we've been given, right? And pouring ourselves out into the next chapter because we don't know what's going to happen. Apparently, I grow really old. I have no idea what happens in between between now and then, right? He said old, too, like super old. Um, (laughs) And my biggest fear is that I waste this time. 100%. And I know you hear that from people who are on on the mountaintop, right? I'm in the valley and I'm telling you, that is my biggest fear. I do not want to waste this time. Because if I ever, you know, at the point in which I meet my spouse and he says to me, so what have you been up to? My only response is going to be like, well, I spent most of my adult life waiting for you, so not much, right? That's all I got. That's embarrassing, right? I want to have stories to tell. I want to have a life to share. That you are not meant to be someone's completeness. You are complete in your own. We were meant to complement one another. You know? Fill, fill your story pages so that you have a story to tell whenever that moment is and whatever you're waiting for. A mended relationship with a family member, right? With a coworker, with a friend that you've lost or with a spouse where love has been lost and you need to rekindle that. Live, live into that moment, wait well. So just as the church waited on Jesus thousands of years ago, and now as we wait for him to return, we are in the same space. The message stays the same. Embrace the spirit, move with prophecies, and test both. Who would we be as a community if we did this for every season of wait we were in? Trusting that the one who has called us is faithful. I want to wait like that. And rejoicing in that wait. Friends, I, I, I want us to make that our prayer today. Um, we're going to move into a period of, of singing a song that we've been singing throughout the Advent season while I'm waiting. Uh, I'm not going to close in prayer because we all need this prayer. This song is going to be our prayer. It's not about me praying for you. It's about you calling out to the one who is faithful. So as we, as we close up this period, um, really sing this. I can't make you do that, but I know what your heart is feeling, and I know that